0: Hey, what's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here. You're listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. I'm sitting down with my co-host TJ Schwartz, and uh, we basically just recorded an entire podcast <laughs> like before we before we yeah. started recording. But yep. still got yeah. stuff to talk about.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. We always Sweet. do. Sometimes we go into it thinking like, "What if we don't have anything to talk about?" And then the hour flies by. It seems like That's true. It seems like how it goes. some of the best ones. Yeah. Yes sir. What do you want sh- we want to start with shop updates.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You start.
1: Um I got to reiterate that the rhythm, the weekly rhythm we've established is winning big. It's like Ooh. it's changed everything. It's it's amazing. Okay. Um, because basically what I can do is I ship today every Thursday. Kay. At the end of the week we kind of like compile the work, the week's effort into a ship day. So Dalton's assembling and I'm shipping and I now have the ability to look at. So when I do all the shipping, I click create manifest, which prints out like a barcode that has tells me the number of international and domestic labels that were printed that day. So I get like a paper that's like you shipped this many knives this week. And if I have that every Thursday as a, as like a snapshot of what our productivity is, It's a constant reminder of like what the health of the, of our production output is in, in the past, we would build up efforts over weeks and weeks to ship in like a flurry of like a full few days, Yeah, but that gives you no indication of the rhythm. And it's like, like I've said before, you have to amortize that over a period of time. And it's like, do I amortize that to the last time we shipped? But last time we shipped, we'd already started on that. You know, it gets confusing, but today was a very big connection point for me of realizing like this is the new main metric of like, if we can keep this number in the healthy range mm-hmm. that i this manifest says every week, then we know it's working and then I can sleep better at night. You know what I mean?
0: So you're shipping one time per week.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So I want to compare that to what we're doing right now. Cause it's a, it's 180 degrees. Mm -hmm. So we are shipping every day. Mm -hmm. The reason that we're shipping every day is because our schedule right now, specifically Maddie's schedule, is so variable with so many potential reasons to not be able to complete a task on a given date, Okay, which is Mm -hmm. what we were running into. We were shipping Mm -hmm. like two days a week. And what we were finding is a lot of times something would come up And a day would get missed. Mm -hmm. If a day or two gets missed, that really starts to stack. Yeah. Yeah. So, like today, uh, Winston's got the flu. So Maddie's not in work, but Mm -hmm. she shipped yesterday and she'll ship tomorrow, theoretically. Yeah.
1: Just some, yeah.
0: It's small, right? So, you know, a lot of times it's three to four packages. The wild card is when we do our drops we might be shipping 150 packages. A surge, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. there's kind of like a bleed off where some days she can't ship everything in that day. But we've just found that like from a consistency level, it's it, it has started to like move the needle towards just like, oh, like, okay, three packages came in overnight. They don't build up. They're out the next morning. Customers mm-hmm. are happy. Yeah. You guys are in a position right now where you have less of those Setbacks, and you're able to like truly plan around like this as a percentage of the week. That's pretty good,
1: right? Well, and the big thing is, like I said, everything every single knife yeah. basically up to now has been built to order, right? So the not, the things that we're shipping on a given Thursday are not the orders from that week; they're the orders from between two and five weeks ago. So we're like trailing, you know what I mean? And, right. and that's like the way it's designed. So, like while he's working on sheaths that week he's not working on that week's delivery Of course he's working on the previous weeks so he's building one week behind and he's assembling and shipping one week ahead you know what i mean so it's like i couldn't i couldn't ship any. like there's literally nothing that could ship like i could try to dig for something to ship and there's nothing until the assembly day where he assembles and then then i can ship
0: right but you're so not like, sh- you're not in in that process assembly day how far is assembly day generally from shipping day same day same day
1: same so day. you're assembling yeah. and, shipping and shipping same day yeah, yeah.
0: that's pretty and, interesting and the reason
1: for that is we don't have enough places to put the assembled knives so totally <laughs> we literally have to get them out of here
0: okay two thoughts one there's the episode name right there is rhythm because mm-hmm. I have a feeling this is going to be a yep. reoccurring theme. Yep,
1: this is today. this is a this is a <laughs> prelude. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, and then the rhythm thing is really coming into the forefront. Like if you look at it around money, like the idea of like aging your money, where you're not like so money comes in, you're not spending the money that just came in, you're spending the money from last month. Mm-hmm. Product is obviously different. And if you're running like something closer to lean, like you're not sitting on inventory. um, I'm thinking about this like more in relation, like how does this tie in? So for me, like for me doing a knife show, I have to build product and I have to have like a little bit of a buffer between when I finish and the show. Mm -hmm. Your process right now is so efficient you're able to streamline it in a way where that window house is like much smaller. So you can't sit on your show inventory cause you don't have space and you're used to finishing X amount of product at a time. So you're, you're slipping that show production in mm-hmm. and finishing closer to the show, but with less stress. Does that track?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the one show we did is that we literally just took the stuff that we were building as if in parts and just right. put the parts in a box. So we never did the assembly part at all because they were built to order. And at you the did show. assembly at the show. Yeah. yeah. So it's just super interesting. So it, it wasn't, it was like the, nothing changed. It was just that like, we, we lost a week of production filling orders and right. diverted it to the show, but did and the same exact it to thing. The show.
0: Dude, that is, that is such an outlier at small scale, like still custom, like you right now are a two man shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like big shops might hit that kind of efficiency sometimes, or like the ideal is like they go pull the product off the shelf and like, you know, load it up and it's waiting in Atlanta for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know any makers really even efficient makers that hit that kind of flow
2: Hmm. i'm just trying to think about it yeah
0: just (laughs) it shows again like well the process one thing like it shows is that you can't compare your results to someone else's process
1: yeah exactly exactly there are too many variables yeah yeah when you say that the thing is like we're a manufacturer not like a custom shop so i would It's like, I don't know who to compare us to, but like a true custom maker, it's not a real direct comparison, but I don't,
0: you know, what's crazy is you, you exist in gray space for me, exactly like Chris Reeves. Like no one is going to argue that Chris Reeves is a manufacturer, but in my brain, my like knife loving, you know, multiple decades in the industry, when I look at one of their knives, I still see custom
2: hmm
0: okay that's how yours are i've tried to figure this out for a long time because it's like there's like a new it's like a new mommy thing yeah. there's something about the way that the product is made finished and presented mm-hmm. that to me is dictating like in my mind what i think is custom it's really strange because i know it's not I, I think it's like not accurate right but it's how i feel. Rockstead is another one where like every time i touch something rockstead make i'm just like oh, that's a really nice custom knife.
1: Yeah. But like yeah. it's
0: not it's a production.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That it gets so muddy.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's going smooth.
1: Um feel feel strong right now. Um little hiccups here and there but it's a an endless uh, endless list of those things to handle, which is good. So it's how it good. Goes. Uh, yeah. How, shop updates for you. You've been in the shop or still in the design trend?
0: I. Oh my god. I'm trying to break out of design. Um, and I'm like, I am full, full hyper focus. Cannot break out of it. I mean, I don't. It's like it's so hard. It's so hard to explain. I think like when I know my brain. When it latches onto something like how easy things become, how like on the opposite side, how hard it is to get it to do anything that it is not prioritizing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like sneaky, it will waste. I will like, I've been trying to get into the shop this week. Um, we did a, we did a raffle inside the Facebook group at the end of the last year for Bo's school. Did I talk, did we talk about this at all?
1: Maybe keep going.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to like drop it just because, um, it was a last second decision. There was a fundraiser at Bo's school. It was kind of underfunded. They weren't close to meeting their goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to do a raffle inside the Facebook group. Basically $10 entries. I gave people like the ability, like the winners get to like pick mm-hmm. a custom side pop mm-hmm. did 10 grand in 24 hours
1: nice
0: low low like stakes it was really great people had a good time everybody like felt good about it dude finishing those pops is actually it's been super hard Hmm. creating the space to work on them it's just it's like not where my brain is at today and yesterday were the first days where like i really was like i blocked out time and just like forced myself to do it but outside of that it's like sneaky brain. Like I'll go down to the shop and then I'll be like, Oh man, oh, I forgot to like reprint that button for the printer. Oh, I better go do that. And then I like, go do that. I'm, like I'm mm-hmm. up near my sketching desk. And i like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. And you saw the results of what that was today because yeah. I like basically engineered a new product in that time. Yeah. 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 Which if my brain was not wanting to do that, would take me a year. I like. I don't understand. It's it's wild to me. Hmm. Yeah. Long answer to a short question. Uh, <laughs> I am still fully in design mode. Mm. Um, switching. I I made I made like a mistake in my scheduling, which was I brought back in daily sketching, but I put it at the front of my day, and what I realized is that is like setting me up like Sucks fifteen. You, yeah. you see it right. Yeah, 15 minutes of, of like freeform sketching is basically informing my brain. I think of like what creative fun we're going to have today. Yeah. And it's done.
1: Yeah. There's six or hours in CAD. You y- enter the whirlpool. Yeah. You're in the
0: whirlpool. Yeah. So I, f- I flipped it. So like basically starting today, it's just, I'm back in like five o'clock in the morning. I go in and I do shop work. Mm-hmm. That's it. No drawing, no CAD. And that I think will give me a little bit of a buffer. Um, so yeah, so we've got that going on. And then, um, right now in, in the effort to create rhythm, uh, for, and for the first time ever, I'm trying to plan my year out in kind of quarters Mm -hmm. specifically around like apparel drops. I love doing apparel. It's not incredibly like cost efficient or in like revenue efficient, right? It doesn't make crazy money and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. But I love the process of like working with the designer, like figuring out what we're going to do, picking blanks, like all those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way that we scheduled it for this year is we're essentially doing, we're just going to do capsules. First quarter right now is we're working on one. We're calling the cozy collection Mm -hmm. and it's super basic. I'm doing a knit cap, a crew neck sweater and a pair of sweatpants. Nice. Super fun. It feels good to be able to like tie it into itself. And then what I'm finding is like going through the work of doing this first one. I've got two more already like planned inside of the year that I'm just like just things that I've wanted to do, but didn't have the reason
1: for. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's kind of, that's kind of what's going on in the shop right now. Yeah. It's a lot of head work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're on pretty heavy design and manager schedule.
0: Design. We haven't talked about, yeah, that like maker, maker manager. manager. Yeah. We should do, yeah, we should like recap that at some point. Cause I actually kind of fell off of it in, as I've moved into other ways of like managing my time. And I Mm -hmm. wonder if going back to that and like just reviewing it where the tie ins are. Yeah. You know, also wonder, do you, does the time of year like affect like the type of output you have as far as volume or, or like like the form of the output? It's like, it's new year in, in a way I, I think I, I don't I don't know like just thinking back over the years like I don't know if like in the new year I'm very excited and like so my brain is kind of scattered and like playing mm-hmm. with all kinds of different concepts before it really like oh this is the focus for this year I don't know
1: yeah uh, that's a great question about season out um, honestly not I don't think the the seasonality really comes into my brain but that does lead to a point that I was going to talk about once we get there, get um, there. I think I want to create a seasonality by design okay. <laughs> kind of like uh kind of like classic Schwartz style, I guess like plan it out a little bit because I just, what I think it's, I've been read reading and reacting on across the, the board um, okay. building the business so far. And the weekly rhythm that we came up with is again, is going against that. It's not whack-a-mole anymore. It's a, a rhythm that is literally on the, on the wall, on a piece of paper. This is what each day is for. And it, it unlocks so much potential. And I think I need the same exact thing from a yearly standpoint. So there's, there's landmarks in the year that I think should be uh, associated with doing a certain thing. For example, I think it's wise both from a time of year and demand standpoint and from a like PR standpoint to launch a new product before blade show in Atlanta, Um, so I don't know if that'll happen this year because it's coming, but things like that, I think I need to start establishing some deadlines for product releases is the main thing I'm focused on because here's what, here's what I've discovered. I've really only been like full production for two years now. Um, and both times I got, what happened was the summer months are slowdowns for internet sales inescapably. Like everybody, yeah. Yeah big fact, right? Like it is, is what it is. So what happens is both years in the summer, I'm like, okay, now's the time to start working on the next model to, to like reinforce sales, to get back to where we were. Well, that model starts these, this creative energy starts to become real going into Q4. And then the models we already have start selling much, much faster. And the new models came in right at like the wrong time to start to now compete with the models that were there before. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And at two times in a row, I made that mistake of like reacting to the summer slowdown with product development. That takes time. The products come out into Q, late Q3 or into Q4. And it's it's the wrong way to do it. The right way is to time... The product releases so that they come out in the the apparent occur, uh, slowdown that's on the horizon. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you can't, with a product development R&D cycle, you can't be reactive. You right. have to be a little bit more proactive on a timeline than that. Um, and so the LT5 that I'm working on is actually coincidentally going to line up like pretty good but that's only because it took longer than the other models because of the way that it's being changed. So just luckily because it's taken longer, it's going to land in a better time of year. But like, for example, the turn and the confidant both launched, like going into Q4, like starting mm-hmm. to, to push on it. And it's like, it became hard to focus on it because there's this groundswell of Q4 sales on all the other models that become right so, they appear like they might become unmanageable like both years and it becomes like, that's the only thing you can think about. And it's like, that should not occur. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm starting to think of a rhythm of like timing our efforts with the seasonality of like what, how the public operates. Um, And all the big businesses, businesses do it. You know, you got the car dealerships doing their rebates. Totally. You got, and this is scale.
0: This is, this is a difference between manufacturing mindset Mm -hmm. and custom mindset. Yeah. I can build any weird thing I want anytime and someone's going to be excited about it. Yeah. Right. As, as a business scales, like I would, I would make the argument that like, even in like my low output kind of custom flow right now, I would benefit from manufacturer's mindset where that is coming into play for me is is around the the product that can be made efficiently. So like talking about apparel, like mm-hmm. I can plan that. And and the most direct version is I don't want to release a sweatshirt in July. Yeah. But I've done that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just because I'm like, oh yeah, like we're finishing this and like, oh, I forgot to get yeah. back to the printer and like now we have a hoodie and it's August. Yeah. Yeah. On a larger scale. From a sales and marketing standpoint. Well, and like, this is interesting too, because like, it starts to open up different questions as far as like, well, if you're ahead enough to plan for this product, you're at a release date. You're also ahead enough to plan for marketing that product. Yeah. Yeah. Strategy. Like you're bringing in, yeah. now you have, you have a tool that you can be strategic with instead of like you said, reactive.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, so the reactivity is getting, it has been squashed out of the manufacturing cycle right? for the most part, but the reactivity on a yearly schedule is absolutely still there. So that's another thing for 2024. And that's I, like right now, last year, I'm coming out of Q4 sales feeling, Good, and the only focus I have is getting caught up on delivering those orders, mm-hmm. and then you, and then that starts to slow down, and you have this really rapid rate of production, and like the summers weren't like devastating, but it's like all of a sudden you kind of realize like, dang, we're gonna we're gonna be either overproducing or we're gonna have free time on our hands accidentally or something like come mm-hmm. like June time. And, uh, that's where like the Overland sport, I spun that up like quick. I mean, I think I, from concept to launching, it was like less than a month and that was a reactive thing. And it was like to compress it that much is not ideal. You know what I mean? So it's like, I need to be thinking about June right now.
0: There's another, there's another element of flow that you may be working past. And this is one that I'm fully struggling with or Maddie and I are struggling with, which is like integrating family flow into workflow. I don't think about things like summer break or Christmas break when Mm. I'm planning or doing the very little planning that I'm doing when I'm like, oh, there's a show coming. I've never looked and been like, oh, but like spring break is right here. So that's going to automatically mean I get 75% less done for this week and a half. Mm. Mm. Do you look at, family structure in this rhythm? Or are you guys is because you are fully in the business and Becca is fully at home right now, is there enough separation?
1: Uh well right now there is no like landmarks in that way because the kids aren't in school or preschool school. or nothing. Right. So there really isn't. There's like, yeah, on our anniversary anniversary we'll probably take some a couple days off. Yeah. Right. Christmas is gonna blow out a week. Like that always exists, but it's, like, I kind of just work my four days a week, like, year-round. Like, I don't really right. do anything different, you know? So, yeah, I haven't. But when the kids are in school, you're right. That's that's going to be a little I different. I guess it's idea. something
0: to, like, think about because you're not far away from it. Yeah. I mean, in that, like, you know, week for Christmas was, I think we had, the kids were out of school for 17 days. Mm-hmm that's a, that's actually time that you have to plan for. Yeah. If, if, if in our case, like working together, because someone always is always having to be with right. the kids. Right. And so then you get into like these areas where you're like, Oh, well, do you get help? Or like, do you do these things? You like, right. you, your situation may just be different enough that it's not as yeah critical, but I, I just always wonder, like, I think that, I think that that has been one of my fears about growing the business and having employees is like for so long, I was building for flexibility. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want to make, I want to make a living like someone who is working a 50 hour a week job, but I want all the flexibility. Mm -hmm. And you, it worked through, my thirties. And then as it kind of, as kids started to come in, you just realize like, well, yeah, that's great that you can, you know, cut out and, you know, split for a month, but like now the kids can't, cause they have yeah. classes, they have schools, they yeah. have their rhythm. And so it's, it's kind of like, I feel like at this point right now, I'm reassessing like what rhythm actually means mm-hmm. and keep coming back to the idea that like there is freedom in structure.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like everything yeah, was has to be structured. That. Yeah. Yeah. I quote my dad pretty frequently. He, he says it all the time. He's like the, I think the way he mainly puts it is like creativity thrives in structure, not chaos. And it's not right. just creativity. It's pretty much everything. And it's, it is counterintuitive. Like, cause I, I, Got to say, like that mindset of like the ultimate flexibility is like the goal, and I think I arrived on this on the conclusion like about three or four years ago that I was like, that is a trap that I fell into. Yeah, that that was a good goal because in the chaos of the flexibility, you actually betray the flexibility. You know, hundred
0: percent. I, mean? I actually, and and I've come to that same conclusion. I guess like multiple times because the the thing is I like to work. Mm -hmm. So even like, even looking at like, (laughs) like financial, you know, podcasts around like, you know, fire, like the financial independence, retire early stuff. It's been fun seeing those because now 10 years later, a lot of those people are like returning to work because Mm -hmm. they're retired and they're 40 and they're bored. Yeah. And I just, I realized I was like, yeah, I don't need, I don't need that. Like, I'm not looking for ultimate flexibility, but I also don't know. I haven't figured out like what the next step of the rhythm is, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's probably creating enough space in the year that it feels like you're getting the recharges like I used to get from just being able to be very flexible and make like mm-hmm. a last second decision to take a trip.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That part is gone, but like at the same time, I could very easily be like, "All right, I'm gonna go do Blade show in Atlanta, and then I'm gonna take two weeks with the family, and we're gonna go here, yeah, yeah. and structure that and like not feel it on a financial level because it's planned for mm-hmm. but we're we're probably still in kind of a limbo state where we're not quite there.
2: Yeah.
0: So it's like, I'll do the show. I'll come home stressed. We don't have like a, a plan yeah. to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that with, uh, the coach that I work with, like we talk a lot about like pre coping, which is like, if you know you have something like super stressful coming up, it's like, you're, you're like filling your tanks before you go into that situation. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, that's kind of like, I think around product releases, I'm trying to do it because it gets, I get, I get emotionally or I get like creatively charged and then it's like the fuse blows. So it's like get super worked up, do the thing, do the drop. Mm-hmm. It's a problem if I just stack them yeah. versus like, I know I have to do this once this quarter and I'm actually doing it for next quarter. Mm-hmm. So the stakes are low and I have time to like, look at it, you know, with some like, objectivity before Mm -hmm. it happens. And I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. Just from it, just from like what rhythm in a business means and how it changes over time and like what the levers are
1: that change it. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, the structure that I've tried to implement is, uh, it's paid, paid the biggest dividends of anything I've done. I think it's probably the single biggest pivot that I did mentally. Is to abandon the, the like dream that I had, and that I, that sounds negative, but it's like
0: no, I, I the see the goal. The
1: goal of the dream is still what I am pursuing, yeah. But the the route is like totally different. It's not what I thought. Um, and so, like, because I you know in college, I I was like a pencil artist doing a lot of drawing. The first summer after my freshman year, I took the whole summer to like draw and and basically sell drawings for the whole summer. And I really, I was like, yeah, it's going to be so much more flexible. It's summer, it's summer break. You know, I did quite a bit of drawing, but it was like, you know, it felt weird. I felt anxious the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I didn't really have a schedule and it it, it kind of bled over because I never ever had a real job after that. Like that was just, that just continued for years Mm -hmm. of like just creative endeavor, like just kind of all over the place, every direction and like midnight hours and then take a Monday off and then like, you know, work the weekend. And it just it kind of sucked. Like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't fun. You know what I mean? Even though you would think that that level of freedom is like the ideal goal. Uh, yeah. Didn't really work out for me. Structured freedom. That's yeah.
0: It'll, it'll be interesting. I don't know Well, I think we're already we're seeing some effects of like some of like the schedule changes already this year. And I'm seeing it just in myself, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. Um, The biggest thing that I'm trying to do is create enough kind of like resiliency that when something does come up, like it doesn't derail the overall plan or like if it if it does derail it, it's like there are there's some like redundancy in place. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I get sick or something can't work for a week and then the kid gets mm-hmm. sick and can't, and I am at home with the kid cause Maddie's out of town, something, whatever yeah. like theoretical, you know, situation. I yeah. think just trying to like build in for that. And that, that just really means like not being reactive. You're just, you're mm-hmm. ahead enough. Yeah. Like obviously at some point, any plan will break down, But there's a margin like where, I mean, you know, show prep, if you're finishing the night before the show starts, like there's a lot that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. If you're finishing two weeks before a show, that's like very, very different metric of like not only what can go wrong, but like what you have the ability to correct.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So yeah, I'm curious. That's the goal for this year for me.
1: Rhythm. Yeah. Rhythm. Yeah. We should say it some more times. Yeah. <laughs> Rhythm. Oh, we got we got a headline news art thing that we have Ooh, on our list. Yeah, here. let's dig it. Yeah. Um. So, as you guys know, I have had a Sile X7 for about what eighteen months. It's just ticked over five hundred spindle hours, which is not a ton, but it has been flawless. And I've been converting kind of to a fanboy uh, a little bit, and someone else converted to a fanboy. You know, take it.
0: Yeah, well, you you sold me on it initially. Not you. I
1: was I was talking about the big the other guy.
0: Oh yeah, no no, I'm <laughs> I mean, gonna like go into it. Okay, okay. okay, that that is like the very different level. Okay, mm-hmm. so you sold me on it originally. I I am kind of a Haas fanboy, right? And it's because it's the same reason I like Apple, right? Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's like everything included good user experience. Apple truck can show or you know, Haas truck can show up with all the parts on it. Yeah. And I'm not incredibly like DIY tech savvy. Like I, I learn the things I need to use the machine, but I realize I need support. Yeah. So I have been like on the fence. Right. And kind of like back and forth while realizing like the ultimate value is like indisputable. It is, it is an insane value for what a machine it is.
2: Right.
0: Um, but now I get to be kind of a fanboy of two things because so Titan Gilroy, who is Titans of CNC, mm-hmm. who we have talked about for Fusion 360 content, Cam. Yeah. right? Cam, they are now the new sile distributor in
1: the for U.S. The, for the U.S., yeah.
0: That is huge. What would you... Make a quick comparison. Like, what would you... What brands would that be outside, on the spot?
1: What brands? Like, make a yeah, like parallel? Yeah, if two
0: brands were to tie together like that, what, is, what would be comparable?
1: It's like We Knife in 2015 getting a tight relationship with Blade HQ. Sure
0: just major where you're like, Which they did it's
1: and well. And, it. and
0: there's a, there's another level with this because one Titans of CNC create a ton of content. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sile is a, uh, they're a Chinese company, right?
2: Yep.
0: Okay. There, there was not, not like not, not language barrier, but like information barrier. And yeah. then like, you know, a broker here kind of, and like some there's like people, it was, it felt like very early days where you're having yeah. to like figure out your own solutions to, yeah to industrial problems.
1: It was like the, the very first little wave landed on the shore of these machines that yeah. were like, that just not really anybody would seen before. And so yeah. there is like the earliest, just people starting to hear about them over the last yeah. like 24 months. Yeah.
0: Right. And I think like for me, it like inside, like the Sile Facebook group, it almost sometimes it almost felt like these would be the guys who were building their own CNCs. Yeah, yeah. Like they they are they are comfortable with having this be a project.
1: Yeah. Problem solving. I was not. Mm-hmm.
0: Titans coming in, I think, completely changes that.
1: As a deciding factor. I'm very curious. Yeah that that duo, I I, I was before I even had the style like on my floor, I felt like this is a disruptor. Yes, yeah. like coming. Yeah, this is like the move that needed to happen to like yeah. cement that, and yeah. I think it just did. And I don't. I think that a revolution is going to happen. I really do. Like it's it's going to be different. In it the next feels five years.
0: so. You felt. <laughs> like not to keep banging on this drum, like you felt about Sile, like I felt about Fusion 360, which was, it's a market disruptor because, yeah. you know, for everybody that's using like old pirated cam or like hack together things, yeah. you know, Fusion comes out and it's like, oh man, everybody can afford it. It's super functional. Titan has had their, like relationship with fusion for so long, this feels like that because I think yeah. they saw the exact same thing, which yeah. was, Oh, people just need to learn this. Yeah. The style almost feels like the perfect tie in yeah. to that. So now you're like, you have fusion at a incredibly reasonable, like whatever, $300 a year. And now you have what, five years ago was probably an $80,000 CNC machine mm-hmm. for 40000 Yeah. That seems like a pretty big upset.
1: Yeah. It's going to be, I, let me preface this. I have been around Haas machines. I have not owned one and I have not personally run one. I've been pretty close in that I've designed a lot of parts that have been made on them and I've watched the parts run, had many conversations with people that own them. Um you compared like Haas to Apple. hmm I think the difference, and this is gonna borderline controversial, but mm-hmm. Apple is really a high quality product. Really high quality. I get it. I don't I don't like that comparison because Haas has the same business model as Apple. Right. But I think their execution is not nearly as good. You know what I mean? Um Do so you... the... Go ahead. I don't
0: want to interrupt your thought.
1: I was just gonna say like the concept like i'll just say flat out like i think style machines are better yes in like almost every way yes and so that's the hard part for me is i want what's better and i've always i'll like go out and buy some weird random thing no one's ever heard of because i know it's better right maybe it's a nerd thing but now i think with titan a lot more people are going to find out that it is better quickly i
0: think and and better you are looking at a very specific version of better or like what you, what you were prioritizing is specific to you and some other people.
1: I guess what I mean is like the machine, right? Like not the periphery, like the machine. Totally.
0: Right. Yeah. I, so I'm trying to think like worked in a machine shop, they had Haas, they had Mazak, they had star like screw machines. They had Haas mm. mill. Um, the machinists there. Some of those, it's so funny, like looking back on it now, cause like they were young guys, like going through CNC school, then mm-hmm. CNC school had Haas. And then some of those guys then went and like worked at Sandia national labs. And mm-hmm. like, there was Haas machines in there. And basically over the years with machinists, I've known two groups. I've known guys that like Haas and people mm-hmm. who are like, they're absolutely trash. Like buy a Herco or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, for me, when I went to buy a machine, I don't know why, but Haas was like just the 100% yeah. right fit. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, Now, as I'm like learning more machining and like seeing the areas where there can be improvement, I, I'm understanding it more. So right,
1: uh, you asked really about a brand comparison. People yeah. are nervous about this. I get it. Like we're talking about market disruptions. Yeah there's the whole nationality thing, whatever. Here's a comparison. In the, was the late seventies, there was, you know, the American auto manufacturing world. And guess who came along? The Japanese with Toyota, Honda, Subaru, and they bullied the American like industrial manufacturing plants, like for what, you know, 2030 up to now in many ways. But the American automotive industry had to adapt to like a a different force of competition that had a very different idea of how things should be done. Guess who benefited from that? The customer. Yep. And I think that the automobiles we drive today are better, even the American ones by a mile because of that. So that's the stance I'm taking is we are now going to see a company like Haas react to this. And they haven't probably really had to yet. They may be watching this, but I think they will have to react to this. And I think it will be good.
0: Specifically around Titan, like, because I mean, kind of the name is like very descriptive. Yeah. Like that, the visibility, Mm -hmm. that right there is an issue. So, okay, here's a forecast then. How long does it take for Haas to react? Do you actually, do you actually think that they will, or are they of a size where they're like, that's not a threat. We have our base.
1: Um, it's going to take, I, I mean, it's really hard to predict something like this, but I mean, we're looking at it like a couple decades, a couple decades, I think of like a Back battle. And forth. Yeah. Of a battle. I don't, who knows exactly what that looks like, but it's like I compare it to the auto industry. Cause it is yeah. very similar. Yeah. It, it was like, a decade of of Japanese cars just absolutely disrupting. You know what I mean? Like totally yeah. running all over the place. And then there was like a pushback, and then it started to balance. It could be. I mean, we could be could be talking about decades here. I don't know. I really have no idea. I'm just saying right now. Yeah. There's this thing that's coming that is, I think, better, and yeah, that's going to change everything. It just is. Well, and and again, like
0: better is relative, mm-hmm. but depending like based around the product that that any given you is making, Mm -hmm. like I look at it now and the styles are a better fit in my shop for the products that I'm making. And the fact Mm -hmm. that I can stack two X five side by side in the same footprint, but be like under the price of one like office or even like super mini. Yeah. That's a major, that's a major factor. Yeah. Right. And, and again, I think as you around folders, I would like more tool holders, right? So I have, I have a 10 Mm -hmm. tool changer folders max that out, right? It would be great to have more. Seeing the efficiency of which you're doing some things really shows the inefficiencies of having a single spindle. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, if I'm gonna be doing if I'm gonna move some of my production over to this methodology, all of a sudden now this is like this is the weak link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too few too too few tools, too, yeah, like RPM relative, big footprint. And it's like I keep coming back to it because I'm like, well, do I, do I stay with Haas? And then it's like, can I afford to do with Haas what I need to do in the moment? And like kind of the answer is no. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's pretty yeah, exciting. The, the the X9 is, I've talked about it before. It kind of has my attention. They haven't actually landed any. They just have, mm-hmm. I've seen all the pictures of all the castings, which are, they're made, the castings are made in Switzerland.
0: Right. The Mianite, and so right? what's that? Mianite castings. Is that they're, what they're uh,
1: called? Epoxy granite. They call right. it or mineral. Okay. Yeah. So those, those are being completed right now for the x nine. It looks kind of like a direct competitor to the v f two, whereas yeah. the x seven that I have is more of a direct competitor to like the mini mill. the mini and then the um, x five is closer is to like, it's smaller an, than like an, really anything like
0: an O well it's, I feel like it's bigger it's it's around the same size as like the OM.
1: Oh, is it i I, I think that one very much yeah yeah but but the x nine. I think is the like dark horse right here that is like the probably the because the X7 is too small for most machine shops. We have the benefit of making knives that are small, but it's too small for almost anybody. Um, So the X not the VF2SS has proven to be like the right size for like a huge percentage. It's Haas's number one. Yeah, whether you're going to
0: have one machine and you're in your garage or you're going to be like starting to go into production. Yeah,
1: it's the F150 of CNC machines. I've said it a million times. And the, uh, the X9 is like the Tundra. It's like, Ooh. here's the thing. Uh, a VF2 weighs about 6,800 pounds. And has a similar size in terms of the work envelope as the X9. So the 6,800 pounds VF2, the X9 is almost 14,000 pounds. Whoa. And it's a mineral casting. And per pound, mineral is about 10 times more rigid than iron and like vibration dampening. Yeah. So it's orders of magnitude, more dampening and twice the weight. Right. And faster and about 40% less money.
0: That see that. And that's it right there. When you start to do like the cross comparison, you're like more accurate. I'm, I'm probably an outlier still because I realize like at this point, the accurate, like the accuracy of the Haas is like fine for what I'm doing. But I also realize like there, like where there are maybe limitations, Um, Mm. but I don't have the skill to, to at this point to fully capitalize on it. Right. Mm. Um, Even from like a fixturing standpoint, I mean, it's like everything kind of rolls downstream, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to buy, it's like, yeah, you, of course you want more machine than you need. And there are areas where the more may come in something that's not like directly, necessary right now but like speed cost like that all of that
1: starts to be pretty important um right.
0: how many what's the how many tools is the x9
1: i actually don't know i i've only kind of can i just look it i look it up it. right now just because yeah. i'm the add i want to uh, say that the initial the, a lot of them have multiple tool changer uh, okay uh, offerings i think it's like 24 on the like initial package that they're bringing see
0: yeah, so the style x nine right now they're saying from fifty one thousand
1: yeah fifty one grand
0: starting jeez, yeah, that's amazing yeah wow, okay i won't go I won't like dive into that too much, but like, is that your next machine
1: <laughs> it's it's like. It's so hard to not go that route. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, why
0: would you go a different route? Because what um, are your options?
1: Basically, I need a 40 taper machine yep. or bigger, minimum 40 taper. Yep. And so, option one that I thought about a while back was like, uh, like a Okuma used sure. because that's, you know, king. Like, how, you know, how old? If, how many years you old? know 10 years 15 okay. years like an older one because i'm trying to bevel grind with it so i yep. don't per se i don't necessarily need like a mint one like brand yep. new for that purpose but or vf2 is the obvious 40 taper choice yep uh from a haas standpoint they they do 40 taper on the smaller machines but i would rather go up Yep. and then the x9 and like dude the x9 it just holy cow just it's just I, there's nothing physical about the machine that makes you question, stop, and think. Right? It, it's just the fact that it's new. It's all thought, and out, that it's yeah. not domestic. If that's yeah. a huge critical point, you know what I mean? But like, it just doesn't leave anything on the table. It's I'm all such a
0: like. I think like I'm such a creature habit, and I'm I'm always hesitant about like my own skill set and my ability to learn things, and so like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I've had this Haas for, you know, 10 years and I know how the yeah. control works mostly. And mm. like just the idea of switching to a different control, that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, I think, I think at this point, like it's not, I know, I know enough, but this, this plays in huge too, which is when I bought Haas, my friend Pat Pruitt had a Haas who was teaching me yeah. machining yeah you have a style Mm -hmm. like so you start to get into this system of like buying machines that you know people who own where you have like a network of problem Mm -hmm. solving is like incredibly valuable
1: yeah you know yeah and i mean one more note and then we can go on to go on to the next thing but the other thing is the what is that thing coming with option wise so right uh high speed machining and like yeah. smoothing is just in that control. Yeah. You have to pay like 2,500 bucks on a Haas to get that. Yeah. Plus uh, you
0: pay for everything.
1: Yeah. Through spindle coolant on a Haas, I want to say is like eight grand to go from the base spindle up to through spindle coolant. Mm-hmm. It's like eight grand. In, uh, additionally, uh, I got a quote on an X nine and I think it, I don't, I don't want to say it for sure, but it was like two grand or something. Right. So it's like, as you climb, those options are like also like pretty tiny reasonable. So the the climbing of the price of the machine when specced out is way slower, is like even more affordable as you start to get into a higher spec machine. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the base price, the gap is not massive. But if you look at like a mid to high range machine in terms of options, the, the gap becomes almost like 2X when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just where I'm at is like, a, f- a near fully spec X9, you're pu- you're pushing pushing sixty k, right? Whereas that same spec'd Haas, you're pushing 95.
0: In 95. And so it's like, in there, there's like a few things that come into play too, which is like it'll be interesting to see kind of like where financing falls for right. style. because yeah. Haas is like Harley basically. Yeah. Like you walk in and you're like, I want I want a bike. And they're like, Okay. We'll get you a bike. (laughs) We'll get you a bike. It's
1: no problem. Which one do you want? You want some black leather too? Yeah. 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 You want some
0: boots? Like, here's your bandana. Haas will give you a loan. Yeah. And they have the nice thing about Haas, or one of the nice things about Haas is like you look and you're like, oh, seasonal. You're like, man, I can save twenty percent on a machine. Mm -hmm. So there are times when you can do that and save money and like get good deals and like again. Parts availability support. Like mm-hmm. I don't in Bend, we don't have a Hostec, mm-hmm. but there's a Hostec in Portland that drives to Bend on a regular basis. And I can mm-hmm. piggyback onto a bigger company and get to see that Hostec if I need yeah. to. That's not yeah. going to happen with Sile.
2: Yeah. Right. Correct.
0: But I've had Hostecs come to my shop probably twice in 10 years. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, you know, a risk that like, where are you prioritizing this based in reality?
1: Yeah. And also, oh, the... go ahead. Let's say you bump your spindle hard. Yeah. You know, you goof the spindle. Like yeah. you can, and thing's buzzing, you know, how much does a spindle cost for a Haas? And how right. much does it cost? So, so there's, there's the benefit of you can hire a tech to do it on a Haas. Right. The con is it's going to cost four or 500%. What right. it would cost to buy that part and install it yourself. So yeah, if you're putting your man hours in, you're gonna have to get your thinking cap on, you're gonna have to make phone calls. Right. But the savings but. is like astronomical. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, bankroll really plays into a lot like you and I have talked about um Kaser compressors enough. And like Kaiser really is a business that is used to dealing with bigger businesses. Yeah. Um This second round of them, like, yeah, the tech will come out and he'll like work on it, but you just see like the cost of the machines and kind of the way that the support works is geared towards like, oh, how many of these do you have on the floor? Yeah. Like even their, their manuals and stuff. It's like, here's for your, you know, plant engineer, Yeah, you know, your facility engineer is going to read this manual. And then like, this is the one that you handle, like the operator. It's like different. Yeah. Yeah. The where I was going with the style thing as another benefit, which wouldn't have mattered to me a long time ago and didn't is there's a lot of value in actually buying new Mm -hmm. if if you can afford it. But the affordability, like especially if you're financing, it's like you just don't know what's in the background of a used machine. Mm -hmm. Like I had my Haas inspected by Haas when I bought it and it was like low hours. It was out of a prototype shop like little old lady in Pasadena kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like there's, if you're getting into a new machine, I think there's a lot of value, especially if this is your first machine. Yeah. In buying something that you like, you know, will work. And so if you can buy something new that, you know, will work that is higher quality that lets you grow into it. That's a pretty strong argument. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. And it also feels like it feels kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Like fusion where you're like, yeah. It's the people I think that are going to be buying them. I think like a lot of the institutional shops probably aren't going to switch right away. Yeah. It's going to be all of us. Right. The like one-man shops, five-man yeah. shops yeah. that are going to buy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Not sponsored by Sile or Titans yeah. of CNC. Yeah, But
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I'm I'm I, super excited. I, I like all this is coming from the fact that that machine kicks ass yeah it's like it's been perfect and it's like it's doing things that it that it should not do at that price point and at that size it should not be able to do what i'm doing with it and it does it's like it's just dalton and i almost like every other week we're like dude that thing is awesome like and they're pretty
0: like dude we're designers i can't i can't like take product and not look at the aesthetic components of it Mm -hmm. they're really pretty Mm -hmm. I'm using it as I'm, I think I'm kind of like using it as a carrot. So what I've told myself is like right now I do not need a new CNC machine. Okay. But if I can bring on a couple of products, it will make having a new machine much more necessary, but also much more viable. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a way I'm like incentivizing myself to, Really push those products to be like, all right, cool. You get this done, and you can get you can get a shiny new machine Mm -hmm. from Sile. It's
2: pretty sweet. Okay.
0: All right. So that was (laughs) that was the (laughs) the Sile hour.
1: Yeah. Ended up soaking up some uh, some time, but yeah, it just it's just a you know customer review. Dude, that's a major. No,
0: I mean it. This from the beginning, like us doing these pod episodes really rolled off the tongue. Well, one of the things we like to do is watch the market and watch the industry. Mm -hmm. This truly feels like something coming into the new year that is revolutionary.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It doesn't feel like a little shift. It feels like something that is big enough to disrupt. So, I mean, obviously they're like, Titans of CNC and Sile have no real foothold in the knife industry, but they are in industry. And it's like the trickle down effects of that into our industry, I think are, are vast. Yeah. Coupled with the fact that currently the amount of knife makers who are utilizing CNC heavily is growing. Mm. And in that group, the amount that are doing like fully CNC produced pieces in small shops, I feel like has really started to well, ramp up.
1: the The other thing that's happened in that span also is Haas has their lead time has gotten a lot longer, right? Which is is what it is, but the result is that the act the after or the uh, used prices on those machines has been yeah. higher than ever which yeah. is a good selling point. That's like great.: I'll yeah. Credit, uh, yeah, absolutely great. But it's like buying a Tacoma. but it I mean, used that's... to be It used to be, it's like, okay, you got something weird like a sile or a Tormach or whatever, but you could spend that money and buy a used Haas. Yeah, but now you can't do that anymore, right. unless it's like really old, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like that the used, the used Haas argument got is getting harder to, to do, because it's yeah. like you'll buy a used VF2, that's like a 2017, it'll be like 70 grand. It's like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. What else?
0: What I'm else do we got to touch on?
1: Running around doing stuff out there. I know.
0: That's a lot of yeah. times if you guys hear yeah. us like fully blank out. Yeah. It's because like there's tiny feet yeah. or like something else is going on behind yeah. us.
1: It'll yeah.
0: be interesting. Like when we start recording these in video. Yeah. Because, like, I know. People will be like, oh, okay. Yeah, someone slowly walking into the room, yep. like handing you something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. Okay, uh, that was a fun one. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like my brain is kind of yeah. toasted. Yeah, feels good
1: to me. Feels good. We call it.
0: Yeah, Kay. yeah.
1: Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the Patreon support, big time. Uh, appreciate the new listeners. Um, yeah, love you guys. Keep yeah. coming.
0: We had a major bump in in listener engagement and we can't figure out why yeah. it's really interesting yeah there Maybe was an we, episode that just like hit super stumbled
1: hard into some spotify like boost pack. yeah i don't know Algorithm. What, but
0: so if you're like a but, new addition, uh yeah. however you came to this show thank you very much Yeah, appreciate you guys um yeah. keep the questions coming yep. see you around peace